Welcome to the Streamline Podcast, coming to you live from a hotel room here in Nashville, Tennessee. It's quite an interesting setup we have here. We've got a pillow, we've got a little table in the corner, and uh, a little makeshift hotel room studio. But from what I can see, the sound quality is fantastic, and the guest that I have today is equally fantastic. My very good friend, Dom Alessio, he is the digital export producer for Sounds Australia. And Dom, firstly, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. This is great. This is super cozy. It really is. I like it. Dom's sort of got his head on a pillow, leaning in close to the microphone. He looks very comfy. He's not I mean, I, look, after, after a week of being in Nashville for music biz, this pillow is very comforting. I'm a little bit sleepy. But I think that means that, you know, that this, this week has been productive, right? Like, if I was here and being like, I'm super fresh, you'd be like, well, you haven't really made the most of this conference. Yeah, you, you haven't left your hotel room yet. <laughs> yeah. You won't be feeling super fresh after you've spoken to 100 people in four hours. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. No, it's been a lot of fun here. I mean, what brought you here this time? Tell us a little about your work with Sounds Australia, and then we'll get into your backstory as well after that. Yeah, so Sounds Australia is, um, well, we would be called a music export office. So not every country has their own music export office, but Australia is lucky enough to be funded to have one. So we're a government-funded organisation by uh, different various bodies of the federal and state governments of Australia and the states. And so our job is to support and promote Australian music and Australian music industry around the world. So most of that takes place at what you call showcase conferences. So the ones that people would probably know best are something like South by Southwest, mm -hmm. where you've got artists playing and you've got showcases and you've got industry networking. And that's where we operate. So as you would be aware, Mike, Australia is a long way away from yes, a lot of other countries. And it just is so expensive for an Australian artist to go and tour internationally. And so what we do is we are an added value for them. So rather than them having to go back to a country two or three times and fork out money and money and money, we're on the ground, we're helping them meet the people that they need to meet um, at somewhere like South By or The Great Escape in the UK or the Reaper Barn Festival in Hamburg. We're putting on our own showcases of Australian music. So giving them additional opportunities to play and be seen by the industry. So our focus isn't, our focus is not fan facing. Like our focus aren't fans. Mm -hmm. Our focus is the industry. We want to be able to help artists get booking agents, get record deals, get management if they want, basically anything that they want. We, we are the conduit, or I like to say we're the cupids. We, <laughs> we put two people together and then they go off and do their thing. Nice. Very nice. When I heard that you got this job, I mean, obviously I knew you before this or, or knew of you. We've only really sort of gotten close in these last few years because we've been meeting up at all these conferences. <laughs> but looking back and going, I couldn't think of anyone else that would be more perfect for the job because you've been a champion of Australian artists long before this role uh, with your background in radio with Triple J as well. So would you mind telling us a little bit about your story and what you've done before Sounds Australia as well? Yeah, that's... It's a very, very kind summary of myself. Thank you, Mike. Um, yeah, so I, like, I had a background in both, both being a music journalist and being on radio. That, so my start was actually being a music journalist. I blagged my way into a job at a... Um, I'm not sure if this will translate all around the world, but we used to anyway, uh, and kind of, they kind of still exist, 
they're called street press magazines. Yep. Um, like free, weekly, music, arts and culture, essentially newspapers, magazines. And I got the job at one that existed in Sydney, in Australia, called the Bragg Magazine. When I say I blagged my way in, I really did because I did a psychology degree at uni mm-hmm. and really enjoyed it, but I I think because I'd been doing some form of study for about 15 years, I, <laughs> I just, how do I explain this? Because I, I don't want to go down too much of a, of a winding path. Go crazy. Um, it's your story. <laughs> I'll cut this bit short, but essentially, yeah. I was doing a psychology degree and while I was studying, I started writing for like the local uni newspaper. I was reviewing CDs because I realized that was a really great way to get free CDs um, because it was the time of CDs. And, um, and, I, and I really, I found that I just really enjoyed that process of writing. And so in my last year of uni, like I started writing more for a music magazine that existed in Australia for a short period of time called Hot Press, which was an Irish masthead. And then when I left uni, after I did four years of psychology, I wasn't really prepared to do more study because I needed to, to be actually become a psychologist. And my gripes with that whole system can be left for another podcast. <laughs> um, and so I decided to try to, to become a music journalist, much to the um, fear of my parents who had just, you know, seen me study for four years of psychology and I'm like I think I want to become a music journalist and they're like what and so I blagged my way into writing for the Bragg magazine but I got a job as the arts editor so basically like I applied for the arts editor even though I really knew nothing about like art so we're talking like film theater comedy all that kind of stuff but I just really wanted to work there Mm -hmm. and they were interviewing me because I'd been in the office a couple of days for a few weeks by that stage. I'd just gone in and was just kind of writing and interviewing whoever they threw at me and learning how to use like InDesign and learning how to sub-edit and basically trying to make myself indispensable as well as learning everything. Mm-hmm. And then the position of the arts editor came up and I applied for it and the publishers were like, we think you're a bit more of a rock guy. And I'm like, nah, I, lo- I love theatre, I love film. Like... <laughs> I just wanted this job and, and I was lucky enough to get it. I think the people working at the Bragg at the time it was a small team kind of rallied around and were like, we want Tom to get this job. And that was like my entry point into, into music. And so every week I got to interview people. I got to write articles. I got to edit, you know, sections of this magazine and it was great. It paid like, oh, paid terribly. I think I worked it out one time that I was definitely below the minimum wage in Australia. But I, I just had a blast. And so I started to do more freelance writing for different newspapers and magazines. It was during that time that I started volunteering for a radio station in Sydney, which if you're in America, you're going to laugh at the name, um, which is, it's called FBI Radio, yeah. um, which is Free Broadcasting Incorporated, which falls under the class of radio in Australia, which is called Community Radio. And so I was volunteering for them and that, and it was during that time that I started to host a show that they have called The Bridge, which is their Sydney music show. They have a different host every night and I was hosting it on Wednesday night. And so that was my first foray into radio. So I was doing that. I was writing for The Brag. I started this blog with a mate of mine, Jerry Sower, called Who the Bloody Hell Are They? <laughs> which was our, like, our piss take on a tourism campaign that was popular at the time. Yes. which had 
uh, model Lara Bingle kind of saying, where the bloody hell are you? Which is trying, trying to get people to Australia. Um, Which was actually censored in some countries as well, wasn't it? <laughs> so where are you? Yeah. And uh, interestingly enough, that tourism campaign was headed up by the man who is, at this point anyway, the Prime Minister of Australia. But that's that's a side point. Yeah, so so we started this blog called Who the Bloody Hell Are They? Because music blogs were the thing at the time in 2007. Because we looked and there were just no blogs that were all about Australian music. And we had this idea that we wanted to create something that if where wherever country you were in the world, you could check out this website and see and hear about the bands that we were checking out on a Tuesday night at like the Hopeton Hotel, which was a tiny like venue around the corner from where we lived. So I was doing all that stuff. And then, yeah, in like in the middle of 2008, Triple J put the call out and they were looking for music bloggers. And I was like, like, I I, I have a blog, I write, I do some radio. I'm probably looking for a job that pays better than the minimum wage and maybe I can move out of my apartment where the fly screens just randomly fall off the windows, fall down three stories. (laughs) So I applied for it. I applied for it without knowing what the job was because they never said what the job was. And I went through this lengthy process and it wasn't until kind of towards the end that they revealed that it was to host the Australian music show on Triple J, which is called Home and Hosed. And, And they selected me along with someone else, Steph Hughes. Um, so we were hosting we were hosting that show. We each hosted it two nights a week. Mm-hmm. And we did that for two years before Steph got an offer to drum with an artist on an international tour. And she was like, I think I'm going to take that. And so it was left to me. And then I was the sole host of that show for the next six years. And I had an incredible privilege to host a, a national radio show, particularly yeah. at that time, now looking back, I started at 2009, I was there till 2000 and to the end of 2017. And to see the growth of Australian music, both at home and internationally, and the artists that came through at that time was incredible. And there's, there's a number of factors, which I'm sure we'll talk about in this podcast, but like yeah. I just think back to, you know, 2009, getting so many CDs to the end where it was definitely more digital. It was definitely a lot of uploads to... Um, a program that Triple J run called Triple J Unearthed. Um, yeah, it was an amazing time. And, and now that sounds Australia. Very cool. And so now, you know, you continue to champion Australian music, but not just within Australia. I mean, obviously, you could argue you can listen to Triple J anywhere online in the world mm. for anyone that wants to check that out, of course. But you're now out literally going, doing the traveling, meeting the people, shaking hands, kissing babies introducing them to these amazing Australian artists. And you're not just working with one or two artists. How, how many artists would you say that you represent through your work with Sounds Australia, if, if that's the correct word? Yeah, well, we, re- we represent the Australian music scene and the music industry wherever we go. Mm-hmm. Ambassadors in, well, the artists are the ambassadors. The way we operate is we, like I was mentioning before, our work takes takes place at conferences, the showcase conferences, because we're a tiny team. There's only four of us. We don't have a huge budget. It's just the best bang for our buck. That's how we decided on that model, that we would work at showcase conferences, because we can showcase artists. We can develop opportunities for Australian industry to network with international industry. We can do that there. But when you see you know, artists, when you see the list of Australian artists playing at the Reaper Barn Festival or at Music Matters or at South by Southwest, 
we don't have a hand in the selection of any of that. Mm -hmm. So we keep at purposefully at arm's distance from the selection process. And that was an idea that Millie Milgate, who started Sounds Australia a decade ago, she made that call from the start for two reasons. One, we are not experts in what music is going to work in international markets. That's why these festival, this is why these conferences have their own bookers. They yep. know that. I'm pretty confident I could tell you what could work in Australia. I couldn't tell you what's going to work in Germany. No. So why not trust the experts? And then secondly, it allows us to basically play Switzerland. You know, we, we don't want to be beholden to, to any stakeholders and we want the artists to be chosen for these festivals on merit rather than do the pushing, kind of want the pulling. And I think that has worked incredibly well. And it means that the artists who are showcasing at these conferences are there because they deserve to be there. Yeah, 100%. Um, and so when we go and, and work at these conferences, we're, we're helping all of them out. That's really awesome. And it must be extremely rewarding to see that happen as well, just to, to see these artists get this opportunity on an international stage on their own merits as well. You know, obviously they've got a support network in place, but like you said, if the booker actually chooses the artists themselves and books them, then that artist got in on their own merits. There, there was no additional influence or anything like that. I think that's really cool to hear that that's the way that you guys do it. Yeah, and you have a real sense of, it feels dumb, but you, you have it anyway. A real sense of patriotic pride when you, when you see these artists performing in countries, sometimes the first time they've been there and there's a crowd there to check them out and yeah. they're stoked and you're stoked and the, and the crowd's excited to see them. Like it's such a wonderful moment having, you know, spent eight years in a radio station, sorry, having spent eight years in a little radio studio, nine o'clock at night for four nights a week, kind of tucked away. It's nice to now be able to be out there and, yeah. and seeing artists on international stages play in front of people from all different countries and, and just be smashing it. Yeah, definitely. Speaking of that, I know obviously we're in Nashville, right? Well, of course we're in Nashville right now. I hope we are. Um, <laughs> this isn't the last stop for you. You're not going back to Australia from here. Where are you heading next? No, um, i got to get on a plane in a couple of hours and I'm off to the Great Escape Festival in Brighton in the UK. So that started today, so we're hosting a couple of showcases at The Great Escape. One has just happened. It's called... Sound so we have different names for some of our showcases. So the one that happened uh, today is called Sound Gallery, which was, at, um, which was at Comedia in Brighton. Tomorrow, I'll get there in time for our... We, at The Great Escape and at South by Southwest and at the Reaper Bump Festival, we put on these networking lunches where the industry get to meet international music industry. So be there for that tomorrow and then Saturday we are putting on I guess our flat we call it our flagship showcase it's not really any different to something like Sound Gallery it just has a different name it's called the Aussie Barbecue yeah um, such a cool name <laughs> and that's going to be happening on Brighton Beach on the Saturday then on Sunday we take the Aussie Barbecue to London slightly different lineup it just really depends which artists were available to play in London on the Sunday and yeah and then I'm in London till uh, next Thursday, and then I fly home. Very cool. And then you're not home for long. I'm home for two weeks, and then I go to Cannes for Medem, which is a conference in France. Yep. Then to New York, and yeah, and then a little holiday in LA on the way home. 
I love the way you travel the world and then take a little holiday in the middle as well. Because, you know, I mean, yes, you're going to all these fantastic locations, but you have to be on. I mean, you you know, I feel bad. You're obviously losing your voice now at the end of this week, <laughs> and that's expected. But it's true. You, I mean, you're out there. You're you're doing. All, you're having these amazing experiences, but you're still working. So it's. I'm glad to hear that you're actually going to give yourself a few days off just to put on your tourist hat and get out there and uh, take some selfies and go to the beach and and eat some good food and just enjoy yourself your your own time for a few days. Well, basically. I mean, well, look. Truth be told, I have had a lot of friends who have moved to LA in the past twelve months. Family too, and uh, they would murder me if I didn't actually stop in and see them. So, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but it also breaks up that long flight from New York, so that's nice. Yeah, um, but that is, yeah, that is, you know, it's it's such an incredible privilege to be able to go around the world. One, just to be able to, to have a job that takes you around the world. Well, just an incredible privilege. And then two, for it to be your passion as well is is amazing. And yeah, the fact that I get to also stop off in places like, you know, have a you know a couple of days off in New York and a couple of days off in LA is yeah, it's amazing. Like if you had told me two years ago this would be my job, I'd be like, you're insane. Yeah, you know, like it's yeah, it's it's crazy. You do it so damn well. Thank you. You, you really do. I mean, you're a very personable person, and you you. He's have, lying. You have I'm a horrible you know person. I'm a people. horrible person. Don't listen to him. I'm not just saying this because I'm locked in your hotel room right now and I'd like to be able to get out after this. Uh, no. I know that there's this showcase coming up in New York. Can you tell us about some of the artists that are coming along for that? Yes, that is, that's incredibly exciting. We have teamed up with Capital One City Parks Foundation, the Australian Consul General in New York and the Australian Council for the Arts. And we are putting on the Aussie Barbecue Summer Stage in New York City in Central Park. Wow, I didn't know it was in Central Park. Yeah, on uh, Saturday, June 22nd, which also happens to be my birthday. Um, so great birthday, uh, great birthday party for me. Mate, So beautiful. Yeah, so it's part of a series of shows called Summer Stage, which happens every summer in New York. And it's going to be six Australian acts. So it's the first time we're doing this one. And we wanted it, because it's 10 years of Sounds Australia, we wanted it to be also partly a celebration of, of 10 years of music export for us. And so we have a number of acts who have showcased with Sounds Australia sometime in the past. So we've got Hermitude, San Cisco, the Teskey Brothers, TK Meidzer. We wanted to offer the opportunity to one of the artists who were showcasing at South by Southwest this year to have an opportunity to come back yep. to the States and play again really soon after South by Southwest. So we reached out to a number of American music industry and we said, that would be room service. We are going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. So you mentioned that there's six artists on the bill. Yeah. So Hermitude, San Cisco, Teskey Brothers, TK Meidzer. We wanted to offer one Australian act who was showcasing at South by Southwest this year an opportunity to come back to the States really soon after South by to really capitalize on that momentum. So we reached out to a bunch of American music industry folk and said, do you want to tell us your three favorite acts, three favorite Australian acts that you saw at South by Southwest? And this plays to that idea, like, you know, of letting the industry choose, letting the, the market choose which artists. And we're like, let us know your top three. We can't tell you what this is for, but there's like, 
a showcase that we want to put on because at that time it was still under embargo. Like we couldn't tell anyone. Yeah. And we collated all those. Um, we collated all those votes, and then uh, Brisbane Act Wax was um, okay. Was chosen from that, and the sixth act is uh, a duo that's never showcased with us before. We're really excited they're on board. It's their first ever US show. They're a hip hop duo called AB Original. Yep. So they had an album um, in 20, here we go, 2016? No, 2017, called Reclaim Australia, which was, uh, it won so many awards in Australia. So both Briggs and Trials had their own careers, came together as AB Original, both Aboriginal Australians and their music, deals a lot and you know, addresses a lot of a lot of the um inequalities and inequities that can face um aboriginal and um uh, aboriginal torres strait islander peoples in australia and it's you know the the record just bangs like it's such a hard-hitting record and it's yeah it's so cool that they're they're coming on the bill as well so that's our six and so yeah it's going to be a free show in new york in the on the arvo of june 22nd i think you know it kicks off at two the sets are short and sharp like all our showcases, we wanted this to be really n- no different to what we do at any other, you know, any other conference around the world. We wanted it to be, you know, these short, sharp sets, all killer, no filler. And yeah, you, you know, a representation of, of Australian music. I, what excites me the most about this lineup is that it's, you know, it's so diverse and it takes in so many, these artists are from all across Australia. Yeah. Um, so it's a, it's a great representation of what's happening at the moment. And it just happens to be for your birthday. It also happens to be for my in birthday, yeah. Central Park with a bunch of fellow Australians having a barbie. <laughs> uh, there, may, there may not actually be a barbecue. No. I think I should temper expectations now. If, if anyone's headed to New York City in June and is planning on crashing Dom's party or attending the Aussie barbecue. Come along. It, it's, uh, it's, there may not be a barbecue. may not be a barbecue, but there, there'll be a lot of great music and it's free. So, yes. Yeah, definitely you, come on down. You know what? We we should actually give it more of a plug than just say it's happening in June in Central Park because Central Park is big enough in itself. Can we be more... Is there some more specifics on where we can find some information about this? Well, so it, it'll be... So Summer Stage have a stage in Central Park, so that's where it's going to be at. Soundsaustralia.com.au, that's where you can go. That's it. And the .au is, of course, an Australian website, so don't forget <laughs> the, very, the very important .au after the .com there. I think you may actually be able to go to .com and it'll just redirect you. That's smart. That, I mean, you know, that, that makes was, a lot of sense. That was a smart decision made a long time before I joined. But yeah. kudos to whoever made that decision. Yeah, and it's important to get those domain names before someone else takes it, jacks up the price. Yes. Seen that happen all too often. (laughs) I know that we're sort of pretty tight on time. Is there anything that you would like to talk about that's coming up that you're excited about? I mean, apart from the fact that you're off to Cairns, you're off to London, you're off to New York, you're you're listening to all this amazing music and uh, seeing all these artists showcase around the world. Is there anything else coming up in, in Dom Alessio's world that you would like to tell us about? No, not not really. I mean, it's it's all exciting. Like, yeah, a, a, everything that we do is exciting. I'm excited because it's just it, there feels like there's a growing appetite for Australian music internationally, and uh, you know, like I, I, f- I feel like a lot of that growth has been driven by streaming services and the way that that we consume music now, and that. People all around the world are getting exposed to all different kinds of music. And and I'm sure people are listening to a lot of Australian music completely unaware that the artist is from Australia. 
Sure. Like the amount of conversations I have with people where I'm like, yeah, C is Australian. And they're like, Sia is from Australia. I'm like, yeah, she is. Tame Impala. The Tame Impala is from Australia. I'm like, Tame Impala from Australia. And so that's that's great. Like that that is so exciting. So I'm really interested to see as, you know, as those streaming models mature, how far Australian music will, will start to spread. You know, we're looking at Asia, we're looking at China, we're looking at South Korea, India, we're looking at South America. Sounds Australia have um, have done a few things in South America over the few year, over the last few years, and that's been really positive. And there seems to be a real um, affinity for Australian music in some South American countries, which is exciting. And where Australian music used to be predominantly in the kind of let's say like you know Western markets, the yep. you know like your your UK, America, some countries in Europe, like it's. It's now because of streaming being able to grow and find fan bases in, in a lot of other countries. And so that's going to be really exciting. Hopefully that starts to see some kind of cross-cultural collaboration as well. Like I'd love to see more Australian artists collaborating with people from, you know, maybe Japan, maybe, you know, Brazil. And how's that going to affect the music? How's that going to influence and change and morph the sounds that are popular? You know, Australian music still... Um, has a lot of guitar bands, which are quite different to other parts of the world. Mm-hmm. And I think that's our point of difference, you know, where you, whether you have Julia Jacqueline, whether you've got Gang of Youths, whether you've got Stella Donnelly, Hatchie, you know, Teskey Brothers, um, whoever, you know, like still guitars at the front, which is exciting. Obviously, Australia does uh, electronic music incredibly well. Yeah. With Flume and Rufus Soul and Alice in Wonderland, you know, leading the charge. And then, you know, there's there's some huge songwriters in the States, which people may not be aware of, who are behind the scenes, where, you know, Sarah Ahrens, Alex Hope, Sia as well. You know, like that, what uh, what cross-cultural collaborations are going to are gonna morph some of those sounds? Country music is starting to grow in Australia, and there's, you know, you see there's a few Aussies in Nashville now. Like, how much is country music going to influence the landscape of Australian music and the music that people are writing? And as more influencers come in from all over the world, as uh, streaming services start to plug into the, and I keep going back to it, but like, you know, the repertoire in India and China and that gets fed into those algorithms and then people are starting to hear music from different cultures that they've never heard before and start getting influenced by that and maybe they sample that and remix that and then it all gets put into this big musical jumbo and stirred around and the end product is something that has that is so different and never been heard before. And that's the stuff that really excites me. Yeah, absolutely. And collaboration is just so much fun for, for the artist and for the listener because it's a totally unique sound. You know, you get you get this morphing yeah. of, of various sounds all, all into one track. You know, like you said, I, I think we were talking recently about well, imagine if an Australian artist collaborated with an Indian artist what would that sound like? And, you know, your mind just starts to wander and you go, this could be the next big thing, you know? I mean, I, I look at artists like Diplo and every, all the different projects that he's done and all the different influences he's had from his travels and collaborating mm. with people around the world. And I go, more people should be doing that. Yeah, Marshmallow is really good at that. Like, oh, big time. He, he's front, like, you know, he's been collaborating with artists from the Middle East. And we haven't even talked about, like, Middle East and North Africa and what's happening there. Yeah, and you know, this just wasn't it just wasn't possible, you know, a decade ago unless you wanted to jump on a plane and fly over, you know. And now people are thinking up 
tech solutions to being able to collaborate from different studios across the world and share those files and and have it feel organic because obviously when you you know when you want to collaborate with someone the best collaborations are the ones where where there's a good relationship going on where you're inspired by each other and you're vibing off each other which can be tough if it's you know you're just sending files back and forth and people are working on that stuff as well which is great so you can just you know hear a great track on SoundCloud and hit that, that person up and be like, hey, we should, do you want to collaborate? Yeah. You never would have done a couple of years ago. And so that that is going to create works that we've never heard, the styles that we've never heard before, which is so cool. Like what an awesome time to be living through, to be able to have that kind of musical access, both as a fan and as a creator. It just blows my mind the tools that we have now, the fact that, you literally have a laptop computer and a pair of headphones. Some people arguably may not even use headphones in the process, which is crazy. But at the very basic level, that's all you need. And then you open up Ableton Live or whatever door you use and you you just hit record, get started, and then you sync it across Dropbox or something similar and then they'll open the session on their end and, and before you know it, you've got a track completed within 48 hours because you're in different time zones and everybody's put their pieces in. And then you could have it online as quick as the next day. Obviously, that's not best practice, though. You want to give yourself a few <laughs> weeks, and there's, that's a whole other podcast about best practices with distributing music to uh, streaming services. But, yeah, it's just exciting how quickly this can all happen. You yeah. know, if you've got the idea, just start. Yeah, totally. That's it. I've got to ask you, this is more for myself, just curious. Are you ever considering a return to radio or is there any other way that people can listen to your soothing voice? <laughs> Look, I, I pop up every now and then on, um, on radio back home yep. um, as a guest on local ABC shows, reviewing music now and then. You know, for the meantime, like I'm, I'm loving this job. Yep. Like, it's a <laughs> maybe, maybe down the track when I... Don't want to keep getting on planes anymore and maybe got family and stuff back at home. But for the time being, like this, this is the focus for me. You know, it's very hard <laughs> to go, would I want to be doing anything else when I'm like, oh, okay, well, I guess I'm like, I'm going to LA and I'm going to Nashville, then I'm going to London and oh, I'm working within Australian music. Like I'm working with Australian artists. I'm like, this is, this is so cool. This is what I want to be doing right now. Awesome. Well, I think we may wrap this up yeah. because I do not want you to miss your flight because it's a trigger effect. You miss one, you miss them all. Yeah. Well, if I miss this one, then I'm really screwed. Yes. Because <laughs> I have to go via Chicago. It's going to be my first time physically in Chicago. I won't see anything. I'll be there for an hour at, uh, at the airport. I'm a bit like my mum in the sense that like, I always like going to new places and I'm just excited to like see Chicago airport for <laughs> an hour. I'm sure there's somebody... Listening to this right now, being like, Ugh. like I don't know, maybe it's a great airport, maybe it's a terrible airport. Maybe someone's like, dude, you're going to hate it for that one hour where you're running between terminals. You're going to be happy to see some food other than fried chicken. Yeah, but the fried chicken in Nashville is so good oh, yeah. that I'll probably start to get withdrawal symptoms from it. I will miss it. I will miss it. But I'm going to London where they love curry and as a... Big fan of Indian food. It's a big fan of food in general. Like, I'm excited for that. That's yeah. going to that's gonna be tasty. It's not going to be as warm as Nashville, though. No. That's going to be a little bit disappointing. But you got a jacket in your bag. You'll be fine. 
But I, I, I have packed for all seasons. You never know. Exactly. I mean, living, living back in Australia, in Adelaide especially, you'd go out in the morning in shorts and a, and a T-shirt, and then you'd, two hours later you'd come out, you'd put on a jacket, you'd have to put some pants on, and then the weather would just change constantly. That's true. Also, we don't have winter in Australia. It's, yeah. a, it's a myth. We just have one extended autumn. Fall, sorry, depending where you are. <laughs> nice, nice. Translating for all audiences yes. here, Dom, though. Much appreciated. Look, you're an interesting guy. You're doing some cool stuff. Is this somewhere people can follow you on social media or what's the best way to keep up with what you're doing? You can find me on all the social medias except Snapchat. No offense, Snap. I'm just not very good at it. Um, yes, so Twitter, Twitter, Instagram is just Dom Alessio, which is D-O-M-A-L-E-S-S-I-O. I'm on Facebook. I'm on LinkedIn. Yeah. You're accessible. You're available. I, I, am, I am very available. That sounded wrong, but we'll leave it in. Don't cut it. <laughs> <laughs> leave that one in there. All right. Dom Alessio is available and uh, accessible <laughs> and doing amazing things around the world for Australian artists. If you would like to look up his profiles, uh, Dom Alessio on Twitter and Instagram as well. <laughs> oh, mate. We've really messed this one up at the end here, haven't we? I love it. I, I love it. I love it too. Yeah. Keep it in. This is what happens when you've been working nonstop for five days. Yep. Yep. This, this, is a, this is a level of banter that you can expect from Dom after many days. Look, I'm, I'm impressed you're awake. And, I, uh, and thank you for having me as part of this. It's, it's real fun to have a chat about this stuff. Yeah, me too. I mean, there's been many times we've sat down and I've said we could have just recorded this. I mean, we'd have to edit out all the cursing, which, of course, we've spared you in this episode. Yeah. So far. But, yeah, it's truly been a pleasure and I've been really enjoying watching your journey and I'm excited to see what's next and just want to say that really appreciate what you were doing for Australian artists and it shows, you know, every time I go out and I see you and I hear people talk about Dom and Sounds Australia and you know, the name's getting out there and most importantly, the artists are getting out there as well. So thank you for what you're doing. Really appreciate it. Thanks, Mike. All right. And that's all for this episode. Dom, any last words of wisdom? If you want to travel a lot, make sure you pack vitamins. That is very true. And we're going to end it there. Dom, thank you so much once again. Get on that plane. Don't be late. Thanks, Mike.